Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora. From the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace, this is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. For more than 15 years, Cora Faye's Cafe has been the predominant destination in the metro area for home cooking and soul food. Of course, the food is the main attraction, but their owner, Priscilla Smith, is also a very big reason for their popularity. Miss Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We appreciate it. You also brought your, your nephew, Delbert, here? Delver, what's your role with Cora Faze Cafe? It's a pleasure to meet you, by the way. Um, I'm a supervisor there. Okay. Uh, I also work the front. I uh, oversee a little bit in the kitchen and, and, and uh, help everyday operations. Okay, so your right-hand man? Yes, he is. <laughs> Love that. Uh, on your menu, uh, you feature a photo of your mother, Cora, um, who I assume the restaurant was named after. Yes. She started cooking at the age nine. Can you shine a light on what her life was like growing up in Alabama? Well, we were in rural Alabama, a place called Anniston, Alabama. And her dad owned a lot of land, so where he had the family initially, everybody was staying on top of the hill. We used to call it the hill. And uh, so mom at nine, she had at that time about four older, two older siblings. And it ended up being like nine of them all together. So one day, uh, her dad, uh, uh, we used to call him Pitt. I call him Granddad. Uh, she told him she he sent her to the cotton fields, and so she came back. She said, "Daddy, I can't do that kind of work." <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Hot bugs and snakes are out there." She said, "Can I try the, the kitchen?" And he said, "Sure." And so when she went in the kitchen, she fell in love with it, and uh, it got to the point where. He would ask her to fix him something to eat instead of her mom, Jessie. Because mama said, she used to get so mad because I cook better than her. But I <laughs> I wasn't trying to because she cooked things like rabbit. Because, you know, they would go hunting right. and coon and, and she would make cakes and pies. She just took to it like a duck out of water. As those recipes and techniques and the, and the science of cooking was passed down, did you discover at an early age that you had a natural talent in the kitchen? I did not. No? No. I uh, When mom uh, was out, I tried to surprise her to make her some biscuits like she did. And so they looked pretty. Oh. And so I said, Mom, here. And then a cousin came in. He said, mm, he tried to take a bite. He said, you can kill birds with this biscuit. <laughs> So was was mom critical or was she supportive of, of oh, she the support- attempt? Oh, my mother, uh, she loved people not uh, unconditionally. So uh, she was a great. She always wanted to be a teacher. She got sick in high school when she didn't finish. Uh, but I told her, I said, you ended up being a teacher anyway. So you you become a baker, primarily. Well, we didn't call it baking. It's yeah. just making cakes. Just making know, cakes. Chocolate cakes and, and banana puddings and pies. Can you tell us the journey of how you ended up in, in Colorado and what led you to opening up the original Cora Face Cafe on Colorado Boulevard? Well, I opened up in 2006. Prior to that, I, I lived in L.A. for a while on a corporate job for about nine years. And I come back here because we moved here in about 78. And uh, so a year later, I found myself going to Los Angeles. And then I um, came back 
and I started a publishing company. And I had also worked for corporate America and small businesses, even my dad's construction business that he actually uh, had for 65 years. And then uh, one day I said, well, I want to try something different and do my own business. So this is my first real business because I started at six years old trying to, on the side of a dirt road in Alabama, try to sell uh, used tires and cookies and Kool-Aid. Just hustling. Uh, well, I, I call it just making money. Right. Yeah, so at the time we didn't say hustling. Right. Because <laughs> I had my two brothers out there. Yeah. And anytime a car would come up that dirt road, we'd see them for a mile away. I said, get out there and stop that car. And so people laughed later. They said, y'all had the first tow road, didn't you? <laughs> I charged them 15 cents to get by me. Right. So, but anyway, and I started um, Core Phase in 2006. I was, and I had it going at 2005, but I had a place in 2006. And because I was looking for an entertainment venue, I looked at these big buildings and I almost came close to getting one. And I thank goodness that that didn't happen. Because uh, the to have a liquor license and a place that can hold over 800 people would have been a bit much. Delbert, what's the dynamic like working in a family business? I mean, obviously you have like the professionalism and, and handling of business, but you're also dealing with family directly. How do you kind of balance those two aspects and, and stay productive in that way? I see it as being you know, raised in the uh, business of uh you know professionalism yeah and so i don't see it as being a family business i just see it as an opportunity really in life uh i can take this with me wherever i go i can use the experiences and you know implement them somewhere else and then be successful there as well uh just from all the things that i've learned with working in the business with the family members and especially someone uh, as prestigious as miss priscilla um uh, I, you know, she's taught me a lot and, and I can, you know, it, it helps me out in that way. Did you start off, you know, washing dishes and helping out or, or how did you get brought in initially? Well, though, when we first opened, when Miss Priscilla first opened the doors in 2006, November 1st, um, I was still in school. So I, it was sort of like a summer job for me. So yeah. uh, coming in, yeah, dishes. But then the setup was a little bit like not like you're used to you know uh we served side orders you know we did like stuff like that which was a little unorthodox you know for restaurant settings at sometimes but you know that's how we originally got in so it was like pretty much everything you know so but it's with excluding like frying and baking and all that other stuff that it, the cooks did in the kitchen the high level stuff the yeah. high level stuff but yeah. yeah first yeah dishes sweeping you know, serving, all that good stuff. That's where it first started. March of 2020, you, you shut down, not so much because of the pandemic, but it just happened to coincide with the end of your lease at the time. Um, that created a great opportunity to kind of reset, find a new location in Aurora and, and relaunch. What, was that timing a blessing in disguise or did it just raise the stakes and add a whole nother level of anxiety? I had to consider if I wanted to keep doing it because it's a lot of work Yeah, uh, doing a restaurant. And uh, also trying to teach family because I would tell them, leave the family stuff at the door. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you're going to be treated like everybody else. Right. All employees here. Mm -hmm. And so, but uh, fortunately, I have a good man here. This first time I ever heard him talk about if I ever leave, I'm going to knock him out. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> the negotiations have begun. <laughs> 
<laughs> you ain't leaving me. That's my daughter, Chris, sitting out there, so she helps too. And um, so after, uh, oh, I enjoyed the break. It was a mis- mixed blessing for me. Yeah. Because I got rest that, that I didn't know I needed. And then uh, also, too, uh, had I was just pushing myself so hard, I didn't know how tired I was. Then I had to have a little minor surgery, which I didn't know I needed. And so uh, getting started again, and I kept looking. I said, I don't want another little tiny place or place that's hidden. Yeah. I said, well, if I can't find anything, Lord, I'm just going to hang it up. Two weeks later, I'm sitting here looking at the old Village Inn mm-hmm. building at Colfax and Chambers. And then uh, started talking to this guy. I mean, he was he was a Corface fan, too. He said, oh, you just right up the street, you yeah. know. So uh, they've been great. They help remodel expenses and everything. So uh, that place needed a lot of work. When you relaunched in 2021, you didn't even really publicize it. You had a small staff. You didn't want to overwhelm them. But word got out. You had lines outside the door. Uh, and as stressful as that must have been, was it exhilarating to be reminded of the, the passion that the community has for your food? That too, because I was trying to do a sneak attack and open. Mm-hmm. I, that's why it was an odd day, March 19th. And I wanted to see what the response would be. And also the pandemic was still going on. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be over, but that was a surprise. And when we opened the door, there were so many people there. We actually ran out of food. Mm-hmm. People got mad. And then they had to wait. I was surprised they was waiting three, four hours to get in there. I said, oh, I would have fed them some hush puppies or something to <laughs> <laughs> keep them happy. And so for the next three or four weeks, that's the way it went. And we just got beat up because my crew was a little different, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I had to kind of train there, too, and in the kitchen. It, it was pretty hectic. And then you had people that they got overstressed and left us. <laughs> So we had to try. I said, you know what? I should have just closed once we had uh, enough food, but we didn't do that. So Yeah, I I imagine relaunching during the middle of a pandemic had to present a whole new slew of new challenges. How have you been able to persevere over the last couple of years? Thankfully for my former contacts with vendors and other suppliers and with a a half staff that I could add and build on to, and then the menu changed mm-hmm. quite frequently. Sometimes the food would be affordable, and then my vendors would go, and I said, wow, the expense got really ridiculous. You probably couldn't get certain things at certain times? I could too. not. Yeah. And then I would switch over, and then I made deals with grocery stores. Wow. <laughs> because the vendors would supply them before they supplied me. Okay. Or any restaurant, really. But you're ordering in volume, so it would just makes sense for them to work with you as well, I imagine. Some of them. Mm-hmm. But they were having a hard time, too. Delbert, it was kind of trial by fire, I imagine, over the last couple of years. I mean, you're in the middle of, you know, unprecedented times, which is a phrase that gets used so much. What personal lessons did you take over the last couple of years, especially when it relates to your business acumen? Patience. Patience <laughs> is key. Yeah. Um, I've seen the struggle that uh, we've had to get products and then, you know, and, and even still today, uh, it's just you got to be patient, you know, and just let things work itself out and then uh, let Miss Priscilla work things out, you know, because mm-hmm. my ideas sometimes like wouldn't match up to her ideas and then her ideas would run past me and I'm like, okay, that's, that sounds like a better idea. You know, I try to come up with ideas of what we could do 
you know, to help things out. But, uh, you know, just being patient is the, is the main thing and just allowing things to fall into place. And having belief that you have a, a great product that people are passionate about and this thing smooth out, that things will get. Oh, yeah. They yeah. think they're coming to grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Your mama's house. Right. I said, well, we're just here to try to come close where y'all can enjoy your meals. And because sometimes, well, this is not enough food. I said, you're not at G-Mon's house, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to stack it on there. Staffing has been a big issue. Yeah. Like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, people show up, and they think they should get hired just because they show up. There's a lot more to that. Yeah. So uh, we have a strong and tight little group. And then salaries, gas, food. Lease. I mean, you name it, everything has hit us. All at once. Yes. All at once. Uh, in 2013, you hung out with Guy Fieri, uh, and, and Corfe's was featured on uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives at your original location. And for whatever you want to say about his outward persona, he's done a great service to small business owners. Excellent. Um, yeah. he, he shines a deserving light on hard work, on the hard work of entrepreneurs like you. Um, what was that experience like filming that episode and, and what kind of impact did it have on your business at the time and, and maybe even now? It was an exciting experience because I wasn't fully aware of him because mm-hmm. I didn't watch a lot of TV. I was busy working. Yeah. And uh, his producer called, because people always want to know, how did you get on the show? Uh, a food uh, person uh, recommended us, said, you want some real food? Go go to Core Face. And so when I met him, I was surprised at how big he was, because I thought he was going to be my height, around 5'8", five, 5'9", five, because yeah. he's actually six foot three, six four. Oh, okay. And he weighed about three, 400 pounds. Oh, all right. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you see, I get that a lot, uh-huh. you know. But he was very gracious. And it was his birthday the night before. Okay. I, said, I said, what's wrong with you guys? And they started <laughs> laughing. They said, oh, we just had a little fun. We just, we're here now. And once they started coming around, it was all fun. The crew had me, the main producer had me to make chitlins for him. It was a joke, and I wasn't in on it. Uh, because he had said he didn't want to eat chillings anywhere. Right. And uh, so when he was in the kitchen, he pulled up the pot. Because I was wondering why everybody was standing around looking at him. I said, they've never seen him eat before. And uh, he said, whoa, I know what that is. And he wouldn't try it. <laughs> and I said, don't let this be the first thing you don't try. He right. Said, he said, no. He started kind of chuckled a little bit. And so he uh, got some hush puppies. He dipped it in the chitlins. Oh. And then he put uh, some okra in the chitlins. I said, at least you took three bites, you know. Get the hot sauce. You'll be all right. Hey, he put it. a lot of that on mm-hmm. there. Of course, you've become a bit of a, a local star yourself. Many come to the cafe to get a chance to chat with you, get a dose of that Southern hospitality and charm. How does that charisma and connection to people come so easy to you? Because I enjoy it. Yeah. I grew up in a family like that. I kept trying to get my mother to come. She passed in 2019. I said, you could just sit up here. People would love to sit and talk with you. Oh, no, no, I'll, I'll just enjoy it from here. But uh, And people have all kinds of experiences, mm-hmm. so I want to share their recipes. <laughs> and I said, well, no, I better stick to mine. But they just want to come. The family comes. And some people, if you can believe it or not, have books where they go to all the restaurants mm-hmm. that he's ever been. And of course, they want you to sign their book and say something to them, take pictures. And some just come for the food because we just, we were aired again, what, uh, Saturday? Saturday. Okay. And we can always tell. Uh-huh. And then we get calls from all over the country. 
And Saturday was most of people going, you got chitlins? Right. They <laughs> said, are you in Alabama? I said, you better tell him we're not in Alabama. <laughs> Driving around for a while. Delbert, you, you've witnessed that firsthand, the charisma of Miss Priscilla. Have you taken some of those lessons to heart as, as you get you know grow as an outward face for the, for the business going forward? Uh, what I'll take is, you know, having a properly trained staff because that's why she is able to get out and speak with her customers because – I mean, even though as simple as our recipes are, they are very, you have to follow them to a T. Mm -hmm. And so with training the staff members in the kitchen and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing so that she can have the time to go out there and speak with the customers and, you know, and, you know, see how things are going and, you know, how's life treating everybody and things like that. Um, those are the things that, you know, that I pick up from her, you know, making sure that the staff is more well-trained and more of the conversation part with the customers. <laughs> well, they, they love Deborah. Yeah. Okay, because he's personable. Mm -hmm. He's learned how to relax uh -huh. and chat with them, you know, and uh, the man, his manners, you can't beat it. And he's very polite. And then, because a lot of people say, it's nice to see a young man that is polite and he yes, dresses yes, well. Right. Yes, yes, that's Southern hospitality. Uh, you offer fried chicken, pork chops, catfish on all the amazing sides, including the collard greens and mac and cheese, rice and beans. Uh, you also have slightly unconventional but traditional Southern food staples like the frog legs, the oxtail, which is my absolute favorite, uh, neck bones, pig ears, smothered rabbit, chitlins, and more. Is, is there a recipe in particular that really brings you back to your youth, one that really connects you to your love of the soul food? The fried chicken. Yeah. Because <laughs> Sundays uh, at our house, after church, fried chicken was the thing. Mm -hmm. And that was before KFC kind of came about and all this uh, take uh, uh, food uh, that's not made at home. And uh, fried chicken, I used to love pork chops, and we used to have some great breakfasts, mm -hmm. uh, eggs, chopped ham, and all of it, especially when visitors came. So um, I, every, just about everything on that menu uh, that we have uh, is something I grew up with. And I have different menus from different parts of the family, like my uh, grandmother's, my great-granny, I knew her. Wow. Uh, so we have a a strong family lineage. So, cause I actually didn't taste chitlins till I was about 23. Delbert, same question. Is there, is there a dish that connects you kind of to your initial love or, or like connects you to the feelings of your youth? Um, yes, I was raised off of all of this stuff and I didn't know much about the history of soul food and that it was during the transatlantic slave trade that a lot of this food was coming over from different countries, you know, um, along with the, you know, the, the West Africans to America. And I didn't, I didn't know the broad history of it. I just seen it as good food. You mm -hmm. know, I was raised off chillings and all the other stuff. And yeah, we got yelled at a lot if we ate all the chillings, if we ate all the food, you know, because we was a lot of boys, girls, but you know, the boys usually eat more, so. <laughs> yeah, they're one of the staff is one of my best customers. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the chicken, there's there's a real art to getting it right from the marinade to seasoning, the, the coating and the batter just right, you know, to having that good crunch, but without undermining the protein, the temperature, the oil probably has to be right, too, I imagine. What's the secret to a perfect batch? Well, the oil, actually, because yeah. I don't use lard. I use non-trash fatty oils and I follow mom's simple directions that we grew up with. And it's not over battered, it's not under battered. Mm -hmm. There's a timing to it. 
And uh, so if you do that, and it's kind of hard to teach people that because people are always trying to make it something that is not. And like the pork chops, I mean, my goodness, we're selling more pork chops and oxtails and neck bones. Uh, but it's good. The new location has helped as well. It's a beautiful thing that you have these recipes that tap into history and tradition. And there's also a scientific element to it all. I mean, you're literally scientists in the back, you know, doing what it takes to get things right. I imagine there is a delicate balance between honoring those traditions and also saying, okay, here's an efficient scientific way of doing these things. Well, the biggest difference, I think, between me and my ancestors, because I came up with my own seasoning. Mm. First of all, you don't let everybody know right. what your family trick is right. and what you do. And so to make things go faster, like the collard greens, I have seasoning that we season with the meat. If they can scoop up a spoon, they're cooking in my kitchen. So everything's consistent. Because when I first started, consistency was crazy, <laughs> trying to keep that consistency. Uh, your chicken and waffles are very unique. You feature a, a burgundy waffle. It's almost like a red velvety cake, almost kind of consistency. It's very flavorful. Where did that choice kind of arise from? Oh, I was looking at the waffles one day, and I said, boy, they look boring, mm. beige. And uh, so I went through the Easter egg colors of the food colorings and see what looked good. And the red one just popped. I haven't done that in a while in this location. Uh, because I try to keep down on the uh, ingredients because yeah. they're just as expensive <laughs> to do. So right now we have a very plain and simple menu. And the object is to get about right way, to get people out because a lot of them have to go to lunch. We get a lot of military coming in now. And then we just got people, they, they drive from Oklahoma, Mexico. I mean, you name it. It's like, it's really humbling. Delbert, any uh, menu options you want to add that you're getting some pushback on? I like the hot wings. Yeah. I mean, all right, I've been there for a while, so there's, as I would tell a customer, there's nothing on this menu I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not like I uh, like one more than the other. It's yeah. just whatever I feel like having. And I'm glad that the options are so much plentiful. So I could probably go two, three weeks with having a different meal every day. Enjoy that fast metabolism while you have it, sir. <laughs> That's what I told him. It, it betrays you very quickly. <laughs> Um, along with your legendary menu, you're renowned for your desserts. The the coconut cream cheesecake is a star. The peach cobbler. Uh, it seems like you put a lot of care and love into all your recipes. Um, when you moved into your new location and, and had a, a bigger kitchen to work with, did that fuel your creativity and, and, and make you feel like you could expand your horizons even more? It did. But again, it came down to staff. Mm -hmm. We may have a bigger kitchen. But we still have the same amount of staff because I've had people come in there. Uh, they think they can cook. And some of them <laughs> don't want to know what to teach them how to make. Because I cook this at home. I said, this is different. You have to follow my recipe. So it's it's different. Is there a lot of retraining? You know, because people maybe come from other restaurants. Every or last one of them. Really? Over the 17 years, hmm. not 14, but you know, 17 years, uh, there's only been, I would say, two cooks that I've had that was really excellent. They followed direction, and they also uh, showed respect. Mm. That's a, a, a difficult combination, I imagine, to find in, it is in any field. Because uh, I've had to work on the kitchen mm -hmm. staff. For some reason, I guess they do this at other restaurants. Filth and profanity mm. is crazy 
And one day I just started saying, this is, we're going to stop this right now. <laughs> you know, we don't need all of this because we got enough to deal with. Let's focus on how to get this food right and get it out. Every now and then we all make mistakes, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, that's, that's this world we're in. Uh, we can't do it perfect all the time. But I said, well, I expect to get it almost perfect all the time, though. But, no, we've had uh, better success, I would say, in the last, what, four months? Mm -hmm. Because this, this has been a crew that's sticking there and not easily around. Oh, this is too much work. Because they're not used to cooking stuff like greens from scratch and uh, the chicken, the fish. We sell a lot of catfish. You do it the right way. You do yes. it by hand. You do it by yes. scratch. You're not yeah. pulling it out of a box and just warming it up. Yeah. Frog legs are huge. Mm. Can you talk a little bit, Delbert, about what you guys do on Thanksgiving? It's always, I think, a real special kind of community event. For the most part, we do reservations only. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we do take some walk-ins if we have the, the seating available, but it's reservations only. We, uh, Miss Priscilla will pull out a special menu. Sometimes uh, we know some of the some of the things that's going to be on there, but then there's always something that's that we don't know about yet until you know it's time to start cooking up the stuff, and then we're telling all the staff members we're going to have this today, we're going to have this and that. But it's it's always a special event. We always usually get pretty filled up. Um, a lot of walk-ins, a lot of takeout orders, and uh, but the reservations, they, they just love sitting there and enjoying themselves and, you know, talking and wasting a couple hours in the restaurant, you know, <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day with their families. Well, and you have so many people that have moved to the, the metro area, especially in the last 10 years that are, you know, they can't make it home, but they still want home cooking. They want a special meal, and you guys are providing a special opportunity for them to do just that on that day. I imagine that holds a special place in your heart. Yeah, ham, turkey. They want what they would have had because a lot, you know, a lot of people away from home, like you said, and families are a little bit different these days. Mm -hmm. And so this way, because they come into the place, they said this feels like home, you know, and they want to hang out and stay and talk to the staff. So we usually serve stuff that we would traditionally serve in addition to something that is not traditional. You honor your mother's legacy, your grandmother's legacy with your restaurant. Uh, do you also carry a broader sense of responsibility to preserve <laughs> the art of soul food and to make sure future generations not only enjoy the flavors but understand the important American history attached to it? I do. Uh, because uh, first of all, my mother was an excellent cook. Mm -hmm. She used to have people come into our house and Pop would come home from work. He said, who are all these people? Because they were being brags of groceries. say, can you cook this? My mother died or my whoever died. And I, I want to taste this again. And yes, and a lot of people come to our restaurant, they know how to cook soul food. Mm -hmm. They know what the taste should be like. Maybe a little bit different from them, mm -hmm. but because uh, sometimes I'll do a seafood boil or something like that, and man, they get on the phone, start calling their family. You better get in here. It's not on a regular menu, but no, I do, and uh, they appreciate it too. And it's always wonderful when they compliment uh, the staff and our cooking. Some of your recipes date back through family lines as far back as the 1700s. Your restaurant is a literal generational bridge. Um, Let's go to the 1800s, because that goes back to my great-great-grandmother. I imagine 
Mr. Delbert here is part of the plan to continue that legacy many, 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 many years from now. I told him I'm going to knock him out. He started talking like that again. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what is the future? What do you, what do you see the, the future of Coraface Cafe? Well, I would like to see it go on. And uh, maybe he can get married and get a couple of kids so they can work at a restaurant. And I have also have other family members that are coming to help out, uh, nieces and nephews and, and uh, friends sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I would like to see that's the, that was the, my main motivation of reopening. I said, well, I've come this far. Let's see what we can do here. And uh, as I get older, he gets more knowledgeable and learning how to deal with people and dealing with uh, customers and dealing with the staff. Do you see your, your role, Delbert, growing as, as that? legacy continues and is carried on i do yes uh and also see the difficult level, the difficulty level of it as well especially with the the, the staff portion of it because the generations are changing you yeah. know they're they're motivated by different things they're not uh as inspired as i was when i first started working for the uh, core phase cafe about just the history and the food and you know uh you know, they, they, they're growing up on different types of food, fast food and all this other stuff, so they don't really know what it's like to have, you know, home-cooked meals and stuff like that all the time, you know, and, and it's, and it, I can see the difficulty of it, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to give up. Uh, I'm not one to, you know, I, I just, my grandma's here now, she'd be still teaching me, you know, mm-hmm. and Miss Priscilla, she's still teaching me every day, and I'm not gonna stop uh, teaching others, you know. So, uh, you know, each one, reach one to each one, teach one to each one can work together to, you know, do what we got to do. So I love the babies sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they come in. We had one little baby come in, and they, he had chicken, fish nuggets, and then he had a little rice and gravy. He wasn't much of a talker. They was coming in the kitchen to get me, so he's out there going, mm. <laughs> he got louder and louder. The customers started laughing. They said, okay. Because the babies, because a lot of parents say, well, they won't eat it. I'll just let them taste it. We'll go to McDonald's. And they said, well, I guess you better bring us a plate. Yeah. that's You can't get a better endorsement than that, no, right? No, right. <laughs> um, Aurora is the, the most diverse city in Colorado, and we honor that. Uh, that di- diversity is personified in a specific soul food offering. Can you describe the soul food egg roll? Um, or the soul roll, as it's called, and the history behind it. And most importantly, when can I get it again at Corvée's? <laughs> well, soul roll came about, I had called it uh, the egg roll, soul egg roll. Mm-hmm. Then customers said, no, call it soul roll. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, we'll do soul roll. I was in the kitchen one day, and yeah, I grew up fairly poor country girl, but we didn't know it because we ate so well. Right. And I saw these scraps of a uh, little bit of a little thing I left of mac and cheese or yams. I kept looking, I said, now, how, what can I do with this? So I tried different little options and then I said, I'm gonna get an egg roll sheet and see what happens. That's how I started. And when can I get it again at Core Face? When we're open. <laughs> <laughs> 11 to close. <laughs> Wednesday through Sunday. Visit Core Face Cafe at 15395 East Colfax near Colfax and Chambers. Open Tuesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And on Sundays from 11 to 5. CoreFaceCafe.com for more 
You're a local treasure, Miss Priscilla. I, it means the world that you stopped by and spent some time with us today. Thank you. And Delbert, wishing you. you the best, man. <laughs> and uh, and if there's any way we can help out going forward, please let us know. Oh, thank you. You're helping already. Thank you. You can visit them on Instagram as well at Coraface underscore soul underscore food and on Facebook at Coraface Cafe. Now, this man has done his homework. (laughs) Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,500-plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to help you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.